attractions to the same sex, unprocessed childhood trauma, porn addiction. Our marriage seemed doomed. If marriage is primarily about attraction, it was. If marriage is a gospel picture, it absolutely wasn't. An impossible marriage, what our mixed orientation marriage has taught us about love in the gospel, a book endorsed by Matt and Lauren Chandler, Ann Voskamp, Gabe Lyons, and Marvin Williams is now available for pre-order. Find it at impossiblemarriage.com. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 139 about Jeremiah 29:11. Hello and welcome. I am your host Lori Krieg and I am with my favorite licensed therapist, Jesus Light Carpenter, Argyle expert and my husband, Matt Krieg. Hello. Hey Matt. And of course, we do have the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. <sighs> Hi, guys. Someday I'm going to get you a trophy. Just wait for <laughs> a it. Trophy. I am so excited to have a new friend in this virtual studio that we are in today to talk about a verse that's been quoted and ripped out of context more than any other I can possibly think of. And then shamed for being quoted and ripped out of be- out of context is more often than I can even say. But what is that verse? It's Jeremiah 29, 11, guys. We will quote it later, but it starts with, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Uh, but who's going to help to exegete it for us today? We got teacher and author Megan Fate Marshman. Megan, welcome. Oh, it's so good to be here with you all. So glad to have you. For those of you listening who might not know Megan, she is a teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church who speaks to audiences internationally, leads the women's ministry at Arbor Road Church, and serves as director of women's ministries at Hume Lake Christian Camps. I have about a trillion questions regarding your four full-time jobs, but that's not the purpose of this episode today. I don't know how you do all that. Uh, but she currently lives in Southern California with her husband and two boys. Another full-time job. And she is the author of the book we'll be exploring today called Meant for Good, The Adventure of Trusting God and His Plans for You. Goodness, I'm so excited to dive into this because many of us, myself included, can wrestle with trusting God's good plan for us. But let's ease into the deep end with a question of the week from last week. I really, we're easing in hardcore today because we're talking about fall, y'all. It's coming, at least in Michigan. I don't know about SoCal. I don't know what the <laughs> fall is for you guys. It's hot here. It's, it's still hot. hot. Here. Okay, but when you dream of fall, what about fall this year, Megan, are you looking forward to? Hmm. It's. I know this is a, a quick, uh, almost like tiptoeing into the waters, but I'm just going to jump deep and Do make it. a splash. Here's what I'm looking forward to for the fall is watching all my friends become more dependent upon the Lord because they're jumping either into homeschooling or putting their kids in front of computers and balancing schedules and doing all the things. But man, I'm watching them wrestle, but I'm watching them not wrestle alone. They're doing it in community with the Mm. Lord. So it's pushing them, but I'm seeing already the fruit, even if they don't see it one bit. (laughs) Uh, It's so good to be on the outside being like, wow, God's doing so many good things in your life. Bye. (laughs) I think the Germans call that schadenfreude. No. (laughs) She's not saying she's delighting in their suffering. She's just delighting in the good fruit it's producing. I feel you, Megan. Of suffering, yeah. yes, I get it. Thank uh, you. <laughs> all right, Matt, we're flipping it to you, man. Which uh, audience listener response stood out to you? Yeah, this one came from Instagram. 
Uh, EM Groove said, reading in my hammock. That's she's looking forward to this fall in particular. Hey, yep. that's awesome. I would look forward to that every fall, I think. And every day. <laughs> every day. Yeah, when do we get to read in the hammock? Oh my goodness. That Any, sounds amazing. What are you looking forward to though, Matt? I love cool weather. I love the fact that I will get to get out my Argyle sweater vest. Oh my goodness, you're such a nerd. And really become the Argyle expert again. <laughs> I haven't been able to all summer. So. You've been keeping it hardcore plaid. Yep, that's true. Surveyor uh, of plaid. New, new nickname. New title. <laughs> <laughs> called New band name called it. All right, Steve. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's weird because, you know, this year's going to be different. There's no, like, fall sports um, and... No exciting movies coming out, although fall usually isn't like a big movie blockbuster season anyway. But so I'm just going to go with like sweaters and jackets. I, you know, the stuff that's been sitting in the closet for a while, I can get that back out. So that's nice. And also my wife's chilly. Mm. His wife's in the house right she's now. She's actually y'all. in studio with us uh, at the moment. So. Kelly O'Dell. She's eating. She's eating the chili. I right w- in the studio. Yeah, oh, I wish she had brought some. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's a big. That's a big uh, component of fall in our family. Love it. Nice. I liked this. Hi, my name is Annie, and this fall in particular, I am looking forward to cooler weather and less humidity. I found that because of COVID and staying at home more often and not going out into public places. I've been intentional about spending more time outdoors, but it's very hot right now. So I'm looking forward to it being nicer outside and more enjoyable and pleasant. And I'm looking forward to my favorite fall treat, apple cider donuts. In Michigan, honestly, my favorite thing about fall is going to pick apples because we can just do that. And uh, especially when it's still warm and not totally freezing. But I really, this fall in particular, I'm looking forward to our book coming out, which it has a new release date because the old release date was November 3. And what is that date? Oh, election day. (laughs) So. Oh, not my brother's birthday. That's not the reason it got moved? No. It's October 27 now because I went out to my editors and like, um, do you know this day and they're like oh my gosh how did we miss that so we're not going to fight with the election we're going to do it a week before thank you jesus okay let's move megan i want to hear from you i want to hear some good gospel goodness because the purpose of this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every single day so we ask every guest this set of questions which is if the gospel is I am more loved than I imagine, but more sinful than I believe. How is the gospel first good news for you, Megan? And how is it still today? Mm. I love that as a communicator, one of my favorite things is making sure any message I share has run through my life first. And so I'm thinking of one of the times I got to share the gospel came right after one of my Let's just start. Let's just let's go. Like let's go. Like get deep. Downer. Get deep. We're just going to go for it. Okay. Uh, after one of my greatest failures in life, basically people pleasing on steroids had gotten my friends were making poor choices and I cared more about their opinions of me than about making good choices. Followed their lead, found myself behind bars. Mm. So mm-hmm. there's the left turn. But man. Well, here's what I, here's the deal. I was the perfect Christian kid up to that point and had never made terrible choices. In fact, even in that moment sitting there, I remember wanting to just point at them and say it was their choice. I just happened to be with them. Everything about me was making the right choices, being the perfect person. Then I 
walked out after being terrified. I think the police put us there just to scare us. And then I walked into my mother's arms Mm. and she had him outstretched really wide. And I remember telling her, mom, I don't deserve that (laughs) in this moment. And And then my dad leans in with the perfect dad comment of my girl, you never did. And that was the moment. So for me, uh, I've, I, I, to be honest with you, thought a majority of my life, I earned his love. And I get, but I gave my life to Jesus, heard the gospel in middle school, walked to the front of the stage, did all the things. But here's what I love is that moment for me was when I was 19 years old. Uh, I'd given my life to Jesus when I was five but still to this day, that same message. And now I get to now be a mother when my little boy makes a little mistake. I get to put my arms wide open and show him the love that he's never going to deserve and never going to earn in the first place either. So mm. great question. Let's start off with a splash. Do it. <laughs> Keep so going glad. with a splash. But friends, I just, the minute we realize it really is what you just said, I am more loved than I, what was the, what was the quote? I am more loved than I, I imagine and yet more sinful than I believe. Yes, that was the moment for me. And it wasn't until I realized how undeserved love is when I actually got my mom with her hands out to model a physical cross to me and then embrace me in her arms, which is, by the way, of all the jobs I hold, mothering tends to be my favorite because of that very moment that my mom got to have with me. Mm. So how it's still good news for you. You see that in extending your arms still to your own kids. Mm, that's exactly how it is. It's it's in the moment where I want to tell them what they deserve in that moment. And then I get the opportunity to display the grace myself. It is a true delight. And sometimes I do not do it, which ironically reminds me of my own need for the gospel as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. Parenting. Perfect parent. Parenting. Mm, yes. So Jeremiah 29, 11. Matt, you want so, to take yeah, it? I mean, we could probably all say it together. Lori, you already started kind I of did. saying it. Mm-hmm. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Um, why was this the topic of the book? Why did you choose to write this book? Yes. Here's the moment I decided to write this book. I was standing on a stage with hundreds of women in the audience, and we had just sung that one worship song, the one that goes, all your promises. Have you guys heard this one? Are yes and amen. You know, uh-huh. I like that song. We just finished it and it was like so good. And everyone's, it's this big moment and everyone's into it. And I walked on stage and I was like, man, you know, it would be the best if we could add to this song. And everyone's like, we're all in the moment. I said, it would be the best if they added another verse that said, and here they are and started to list the promises of God. So we wouldn't just know the promises in general, but that we would know them specifically. Mm. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then some lady kind of like, like which ones? And it was this like real raw moment. I'm like, like, like James, the one in the first chapter of James that says, hey, are you struggling? You need some wisdom? Ask God for wisdom. He wants to give it. He'll give it to you. And everyone's like, yes. And it was just this. everyone's getting really excited about God's promises. And then I said, you know, all his promises are really yes and amen. And it was this moment. It was building, building, building. And I said, you know, the promise. What about Jeremiah 29? The whole audience shouts, 11. I said, 13. <laughs> and, every, and I went, oh, no. We think 11's a promise. Oh, yeah. For us. Right. That was the moment. Plans mm-hmm. to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Words written to a specific people at a specific time. And I fear we've been holding on to those as promises for ourselves. And we go through COVID-19 and it doesn't feel like plans to do all of that. So then we start to distrust, to distrust our God 
when we've been holding on to the wrong promises because his promises are yes and amen. Okay, so let's dive into that a hot second. So we've got, you said Jeremiah 29, 11 is not a promise, but 13 is. Why, it is. why not? Why not 11? Yes, 13. Yes, because, <laughs> because the words from the Lord were written through the prophet Jeremiah to a certain people in a certain place, but there are timeless truths to pull. Mm. But it's really important that we don't pull or put promises on words that God was speaking to specific people. So for instance, what we can pull from that as a timeless truth is any truth about God, which ironically is the promise in 2913. So 2913 says this one, it's God speaking after he says, I know the plans. And when he's speaking to these people, it says, for you plans to prosper, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. By the way, later on in the same book, he says, it'll be later, 70 years or so. So seven, just wait well. In fact, verses five through seven in Jeremiah 29, he says, here's how to wait well. Then a few verses later, he says, I do know the plans. And later, plans to prosper, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Then verse 12, he says this, then you people, call upon me, come and pray to me, and I'm going to listen to you. And then here's the promise, verse 13, God speaking, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then he says again in verse 14, I will be found by you. The promise he speaks in 29, 13 is if we seek to find him, we will. Mm-hmm. And that by the way, would just be advice for how to go into any time with God and his word is to take hold of that promise. So let's do it together. 2911. If I seek to find God, I will. So what's true about God from chapter 2911? And this is perfect for quarantine, COVID-19, all the racial injustices we're seeing, facing everyone's wild responses, politics. We're in a crazy part. And this truth is really profound. And it's a promise. So what's true about God in 2911? The truth is that he does know the plans. Hmm. He, he knows the plans. And here's the weird part about writing this book. I wrote it a year ago when I thought I knew the plans too. Mm. <laughs> it's crazy to turn in a book because the whole premise of this book was on this. So if God knows the plans and it doesn't say he's planning on telling them to us, <laughs> What do you do with a God who knows him? And what you find as you read this verse in its context, but pull out the timeless truths for us today, we find that God does invite us to trust him. And what we came to find is that's actually the plan. The plan God has for you is that you would get to a place of finding him all over the place, learning how to trust him. And in 29, 12, 13, 14, and on throughout the rest of the book, he teaches his people, not just the people there, but also the people us, specifically how to do that. Cause I kept finding myself speaking at conferences and having these people come up to me afterwards and they'd say phrases like, you know, I'm just trying to trust God right now. And what that became for me as I've, I had kept hearing the same phrase, I'm just trying to trust God right now meant for me. And it seemed to be consistent across the board with anyone who said that word is they didn't know how to trust God, mm-hmm. but they wanted to. They just didn't know how. And that's where 29, chapter 29 is such this beautiful invitation from our God who goes, by the way, I know the plans. And while I may not tell it to you, I want you to trust me. And here's how. So it's really exciting when you begin to jump in because God wants to invite us into a similar process to a people who he was writing through the prophet Jeremiah. These people were in a season of waiting. 
It's so eerily similar, so eerily similar to our place waiting. And God's going, well, if you're waiting to figure out the plans, then you're going to keep on waiting because I'm not planning on telling them to you in the time that you want them. But will you trust me? And when you see that the Bible is God's invitation for us to actively trust him, then all the things that we're struggling with, we struggle because we're trying to figure out the plans instead of find him, which is the plan. Mm. He gives us a new perspective on what it means. Mm-hmm. If someone, though, is listening right now and they're feeling some shame because mm-hmm. they literally posted the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven meme today and or their heart is like, no, I've been believing plans to prosper and not to harm me. And now they're hearing this or they got shamed after posting it or something like that, like and their worldview is crumbling. What would you say to them if they're clinging to the no, he's going to prosper and not harm. Me. He's going to prosper, and not harm me. Can you speak yeah. to them so they don't go diving yeah. into a shame storm? Yeah. Or log out of our listening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good call. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Here's what I would do. I'm going to, I'm going to jump to a different scripture because that's the fun thing about reading the Bible as we get to read it today is we're not just stuck with just this, these different narratives or just the old Testament Romans. It's another famous one, but we're not going to stop at the famous one. We're going to go one verse later. Cause get I think it. this is for that woman, Romans eight twenty eight. another famous one. Hey, yep, it turns out. So maybe much. you even know it. It's a really good one. Uh, it says, this I'm going to turn there so I don't botch it. Romans eight twenty eight says this, and we know that in all things, yeah, God works for the good. So this is okay. So, but this is going to be really important, I think, for that someone listening in. So we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. All right. So if that person's sitting there and going, okay, maybe okay, let's move out of Jeremiah for a second. Okay, okay, not maybe it's not plans to prosper me. Maybe he's speaking to a specific people at a specific time. But what about Romans eight twenty eight? Right. That one's for us. That one's for us. Okay. Here it is. This was earth shattering to me. It was so good. Paul goes on to define good, and it's different than we do. It's even like, so this word prosper is different. God's definition of prosperous, not to harm. The agenda is not harm. The agenda is that we would find the good. And here's what it is. Lean in. This truth is for us. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. No get trip on that word. It just means predestined. Okay, here we go. (laughs) To be conformed to the image of his son definition of good it would be easier more comfortable rich successful that's how people i think would take jeremiah 29 11 and assume that that's what god wanted for those people then not to sit in hard places but to say no 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 it's going to be for good that's how we define good the way paul is defining good in romans 8 29 is this to form us more into the likeness of jesus mm-hmm. and if that's the case if that's god's definition of good then he can use all then he's going to use covid 19 if the goal is that you would use that for good and the good means to form us more into the likeness of Jesus, then I think he could use COVID-19 even to form us more into a prayer warrior because that's what Jesus was to someone who could be calm in the storm because that's what Jesus did. It's fun when you begin to look at God's definition of words that we have sometimes pulled again, just a single verse and wanted to hold it for ourselves, but we've missed, we've missed what God might be and what God might be. Hmm. So, so you mentioned that these truths are, are just found throughout the Bible and, and how so, how do you see that? Yeah. Well, here's what I find all throughout the Bible that God doesn't remove us from hard things. He wants to transform us through hard things for, I mean, it's, all the famous stories, right? It's the Noah and the ark. Did you notice God didn't stop the flood? 
when did he rescue him? Mm. In the midst of the waves, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God didn't stop them from going into the fire. He rescued them in the midst of the flames. Then he even joined them in it. Daniel Lyons Den. He didn't remove him from the hard hardship. He saved him with the beast at his side. So I feel like there might be someone listening who feels like they're drowning or feels like they're in the fire or like there's beasts all around. If that's you, let me tell you that God's not angry with you because you're there. Mm. He has good plans for you, but those good plans might look a little more like trust because that's what's best for you. In fact, I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those, remember their faith-filled words before they jump into the fire? They didn't jump, they were thrown. But can, do you remember those words? Mm-hmm. The one that's like, uh, our God is able to do anything. I think all of us would agree. Our God can stop all the craziness. He can do anything. But then those two words, right? But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, King, that we will not bow down. You remember those words? Oh, I yeah. love this because I've come to realize even if is not my common word. I, too often I use these words, but God, what if? And so if you, if this is common in your language lately, but God, what if fill in the blank? I'll tell you what if breeds fear, mm. even if breeds faith. And so why can we say even if? Because God knows the plans, Jeremiah 29, 11. Romans 8, his plans are meant for good. So good. Well, as you're, as you're talking, it even like brings into my mind, like Hebrews chapter 12, the whole, uh, oh, therefore, yeah. since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, as you're going through and, and you're, you know, mentioning Noah and the ark, you're mentioning Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're mentioning Daniel, like because of this rich history of God showing up when people trust him, you know, that, that we can also trust. But then even there at the end, like verse four, I think, says that, I mean, after all, you have not yet given your lives in our struggle against sin. Like it's all of these good stories are there for a reason. So you are willing to go further than you ever believe possible in your trust yeah. of God. So mm-hmm. uh, just awesome. I love what you're saying. Love, love just the kind of the yeah. reframe of, of the verse of Jeremiah. So it's awesome. I love, because as you're speaking, all I want to do is, yes and amen. Yes, full circle. Hey. Okay, so you do a really expert job in your book of, like, convicting people with a very gentle hand. And I know as someone who can lean into controversial conversations that takes such, uh, like, asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom and just practice. But one of the things you lean into is this whole idea of like the plans he has for us. We are in such a listen to your heart world. And so we're like, okay, God loves me. I love me. Here's what I love. I'm going to go and do X, Y, Z things I love. So how does that work. You know, you're taught you're we're alluding to the sanctification, we're alluding to this good plan of that God has, but how do we know what the good plan is if our heart maybe bumps up against God's heart? Yeah. What I would say is pay attention to the right voice. You're referencing like, you know, listen to listen to your heart and this mentality. I I think I think how everyone listening in has noticed the word anxiety is everywhere everywhere maybe some of you are going yeah yeah it's it's all i think about because it's my life and i think we have to be 
and it comes back to this Jeremiah piece. It seemed like Jeremiah was listening to the right voice, right? I mean, like, what is it? 170 times he references, declares the Lord with confidence. Clearly he was paying attention to the right voice. And when we listen to the wrong voice, we don't experience the good. We don't become more like Jesus. Jesus wasn't anxious. So if we're missing the byproducts, if we're not looking more like Jesus, if the fruit of the spirit aren't coming out of our lives and the place I would come back to is which voice are you listening to? Mm-hmm. And this, this is a become really real to me, specifically in my family. My husband and I were talking about anxiety because people, everyone is going, well, I can, I can choose right from wrong, but then we're, they're finding themselves just fighting, trying to figure out the plan. So anxious. My husband works in the emergency room. He's a nurse and uh, it's kind of a nutty time to be working there. So it's been, I mean, it's made this whole season even a little bit more crazy, but he and I were talking about specifically anxiety because it's something that he's seeing so prevalent. And we were even talking about what you're asking about this whole, like everyone kind of, you know, I, I know God's word. So, but then they're not listening to it. They're just, I know it in the back of my mind, but I'm just going to kind of go my own way and make my own decisions. And he's seeing the effects of it. And at one point we talked and I said, hey, you know, what do you do with anxiety in the ER? And he says, I'll tell you what exactly what I do because it works. I said, wow, you're confident. <laughs> teach me. And then I'll share with the people on, you know, on your heart podcast. So here we are. Here's what he said. And it was so profound to me. He said, here's what I do. I have them look me in the eyes and then I have them start breathing. And then we breathe together. It's what we do. We don't figure it, start with what we can't do. We start with what we can. And by the way, have you noticed when we listen to our own voice, we oftentimes start with what we can't do with all the comparison and the envy and the coveting and everything mm. that we feel and experience. It usually is rooted somewhere in there. And I believe it was Solomon that calls it a chasing after the wind. Oh, that's, I digress back to the <laughs> ER. So he gets him to breathe, breathe in, breathe out. And they're just breathing. And he watches them like as their eyes move away from his, he just watches their heart rate. He's literally watching the monitor, their heart rate go up. And then he goes, get right here, back here, back here. Listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. Breathe with me. And then he says, as they breathe in, I tell him who I am. He says, my name is Randy Marshman. I'm a staff nurse at this ER and I'm really good at my job. Mm -hmm. Now go ahead, breathe out. And it's weird. And he says, in about three minutes, things are going to get better, but I need you to trust my voice. I need you to lean in. I need you to pay attention to my voice. Mm -hmm. And he says, the people that do, their heart rate slows down. They begin to move slower and things do get better when they pay attention to the right voice. And so I think it combats everything that our world is going through, everything you're talking about of listening to my own heart, listen to what, what, whatever I feel is best. We're seeing the results of that yeah. because we're listening to the wrong voice. But here's the good news about Jeremiah 29 11 is you have, you have someone Jeremiah who is listening to the right voice saying, Hey, God knows the plans pay attention. And he even says, declares the Lord. He's using it to say like, no, 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 God's speaking. So pay attention people. Mm. And then if we combine that with the Romans eight twenty eight and the 29 of the goal, the good that God wants to do, the plan that God wants to do is form us more into the likeness of Jesus. I love what Dallas Willard says where he goes, Hey, uh, during an interview, someone asked him, they said, Hey, uh, if you had to describe Jesus in one word, what is it? And he sat back like Dallas Willard does. If you don't know him, he's so calm and he thought for a long while and everyone kind of leaned in he said one word and they said yep he said okay relaxed Mm. and so I think what you're talking about the difference between listening to this right voice versus following my heart you're seeing the byproducts our Mm. world is not relaxed Mm -mm. Mm. that's so good so so you have this this story this wonderful imagery of your husband kind of standing in front of someone in 
the ER and like just as the only the sole voice for them to focus on and and so often like even though it says like seek me and when you seek me with all your heart you will find me like so many times that that people are in crisis they they or even not in crisis they just say i i have a hard time finding god i have a hard time hearing him um where would you tell people to start kind of this process of learning to listen to the right voice ah what a great question i'd actually love to hear your guys's answers on this do you ever have people shoot back to you guys yes we do (laughs) perfect Lori. we'll start with you i know my answer but Lori, what about you where would you send them where do i send people when they say they can't hear god i Uh i try and give them some maybe some more simple or easy passages to just reflect on so maybe like a psalm 91 or romans 8 or um i don't know maybe even ephesians 3 like some of the more gentle passages and just to to read them and be quiet uh so that that may be something like if they can't find him just to start there and then to ask the lord i just have i try my best to have faith in God and I'd ask him ask them to ask him Lord would you have one of these verses stand out to me like it's radioactive just speaking to my heart and I've had people where it happens because God's word is alive and active and then you know maybe you can run into a little Jeremiah 29 11 action where then they're ripping them out of context but even in that even in that God can use speaking the essence of it to them so that's an idea yeah Uh, yeah yeah, I love what you just said and so it's actually very similar to mine I wouldn't start in the book of John but Mm. what I would do if someone's having a hard time hearing from them is I would give scripture and I would follow up. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that we miss. At least I have missed in the past is yeah. here you go. And then good luck. But it sounds like you, you're someone Lauren, that does feel, uh, follow up. And I oh, think people yeah. feel loved that way. Mm-hmm. And they also don't feel crazy. If and, and there's something about talking about scripture in community, not just mm-hmm. expecting them yeah. to do it on their own. I, I love that. In fact, I've been discipling a woman who started coming to our church two months before all church closed, you know, or at least the, you know, normal worship gatherings. And this was the fun part where God surprised me, Matt. And I think I needed this type of encouragement. Um, She said, so what do we do now? And I said, we're going to read scripture together. So I'm smiling because I just have gone through this with this woman. This woman needed a lot. She was, she was in, she's been in a really rough spot and I just knew she needed God's word. I knew she needed to listen to the right voice. And here's the best part. And as a pastor, it's what I needed was to watch God's word change her life. And all I did really was give her a brand new way of reading it. I gave her four simple questions in the book of John and I told her to read, um, one chapter a week, read it, try different translations, try different things, but try to read it at least one time a week and we'll discuss it. And then we'll go to the next chapter and then we'll go to the next chapter. And here's the four questions we asked. Uh, number one, what's true about God? Cause again, that's the promise. I think too often we read ourselves as the main character of the story. So when I read scripture, I'm trying to find inspiration. Then I find myself disappointed because it doesn't feel good. And I don't realize that I'm the main character of the story. And that's not how a story is supposed to be read. If I'm not the main character of the story, oh, snap. So what's true about God. Then number two, what does this reveal about me? Like, what is he? Because although I'm not the main character, he, I'm still invited to be a character. 
I'm a supporting actor in this story, but so I always start with what's true about God. Then second, what's he revealing about me? Third, where's the gospel? Cause it's all pointing to Jesus. So three, and depending on which book I'm journeying with someone, I figure out how to ask that third question. And then fourth, this is a fun one. How is the Holy Spirit leading me to respond? Because back to the promise of Jeremiah 29, 13, if you seek him, you'll find him. And so what I love about the Holy Spirit leading me to respond is, we get to follow up and say, all right, how'd you find him? How'd you find him as you lived? I think mainly also not just expecting to find God in their quiet times, but to find him everywhere. In fact, this is what we did in my family uh, for dinner time conversations because I wanted to find God everywhere. I wanted to find him in his word. I wanted to find him even at the dinner table. So we started doing this question, high the low, which everyone does, you know, happy crappies, right? High the low, low, uh, high the day, low of the day. And then we added this one. How'd you find God today? Mm-hmm. It is so fun. And I started when I remember when I had the idea, I didn't have kids at the time. And so I practiced on my nie- nieces and nephews because if you screw up, they're not yours, you know? <laughs> and so I'll never forget the first time I ever did it was my little niece, Georgia. She was like eight at the time. And I wasn't sure if it was going to work. Like, is that promise just for adults or, you know, is the promise for kids too? Let's find out, you know, how'd you find God today? Because if she seeks him, she'll find him. Right. Right. And so I'll never forget her answer. She's like, I saw him swimming. And I was like, uh, maybe the promise is just for me, you know, <laughs> until I, I asked her why. I said, how'd you see God swimming? She said, oh, because so you know how I like gave my life to Jesus a few years ago? I'm like, yeah. She says, well, swimming, I, I can like swim, right? So my little siblings, they haven't given their life to Jesus, but I can. But they also splash around the shallow end thinking that that's all life is. But uh, faith for me is like jumping into the deep, becoming more and more dependent upon Jesus. Anyways, that's how I saw God. I thought, for sure, me too. That's crazy. Same (laughs) scene. And I realized that promise is real. And I'll tell you, my little four-year-old is more creative at finding God than I am because now that he knows the question is coming, he's on the lookout. Mm, It's so great. Guys, listening, I... Those four steps, go rewind it about three minutes back. Let's get them down and let's start doing that. Cause I'm, I've been saying this, I said this on another podcast. I'm going to say here today, an Instagram faith is not going to get us through this next season. Instagram's not bad, but if that's your whole meal you're eating for your faith meal of the day, it is not going to sustain us through the suffering that is now and the suffering that's coming. So we have got to be feasting on the word, not just when we feel like it, but especially when we don't feel like it. So if there's any exhortation that I can at all tack on is just rewind this. What were those four steps that Megan just offered us? And then dive in because we need, we need it so badly. Okay. Megan, speaking of this world today, um, how has this set of verses changed? I guess just how has these verses like studying it and then Rona hits and they were already in your your bloodstream they were in your veins how how did they affect you for the better in going through what you're going through now I the verse that just popped into my brain is in Philippians 4 the one that talks about God's peace that surpasses understanding mm. So in studying these passages, it's not that I, I'm sitting in a hard moment and suddenly I'm like, man, Jeremiah 29, 12, I just need to not trust myself. I need to trust Jesus in this moment of wrestling. I don't, I'm not, I wish, I wish that was the case, but the truth is it's not. But I will tell you the difference I'm finding and people, and I say this again, not in a boastful way, but people really notice 
Mm. I'm not fearful. Mm. I'm not scared. I think trust looks like it actually looks more relaxed. Mm. It looks more peaceful. And it's been surprising. I think a lot of people expected me or a lot of even in my within my community expected me to be very driven in this season and, you know, come out with new new content that's going to be. And I thought how crazy God prepared me a year ago with the content to sit with and then come alongside people, move a little slower and experience the beauty of the peace. So what what it looks like is a peace that makes no sense outside of God. And the truth is I want my life not to make sense outside of God. I want to even do ministry in such a way where if God didn't show up, I'd actually notice. Yep. Praise God. That's so beautiful. And I just pray just like you, just protection over your words just now, just that there's no envy. There's no like, well, why does she get that? It's it's accessible for all of us. And it's (laughs) let's just get rooted and deep and get in community. and, And it's accessible. Yeah. Any last questions? But, oh, yeah. What were you going to say, Megan? No, I was just going to say um, the peace. This is, I feel like this is a really essential moment for someone who felt what you felt. If that's the case, don't search for peace. That's the wrong. I've come to realize the wonderful things that Jesus offers, peace, contentment, all these words that especially in today's day and age we want to receive. I've learned, in fact, I did a message yesterday. I was tasked with uh, preaching Philippians 4.13. I'm not sure why I'm getting all the famous ones, but <laughs> that one in context is, is, is really interesting as well. It's not about achieving greatness. It's about being content, even if you never do. But here's the key. You don't run after contentment. You don't run after peace. Peace is an amazing byproduct, but it's a really crummy goal because if it's your goal, you'll critique everyone and everything based on how peaceful they make you. And good luck in parenting. (laughs) If you pursue Jesus, peace becomes the byproduct. If you trust him, peace becomes the byproduct. So I just have to clarify who to go after in the moment that you're longing for these byproducts. Remember they're byproducts. They're not the goal. Amen. Amen. Man, Megan, I am so thankful for you and thankful for your heart and just for um, your book. I read it in one day yesterday. Uh, wow. so, <laughs> you guys go check it out and just know um, if you're like, oh, Jeremiah 2911, you heard it here today. She's going to blow your mind as far as just breaking it apart. Uh, but thank you so much for sharing your heart, your mind, your wisdom, and showing us the byproduct of this hard work, uh, which is peace. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I love conversations that matter. Woo. All right, guys, go get it. Get meant for good and check out Megan on the socials on Instagram. She's Megan Fate and you can find her on all the things. But I really appreciate, you know, I was talking about this Instagram faith. It's not that Instagram is nothing, but if it's everything, it's not going to help us to last into the future. And so I hope that's one big takeaway that we're getting from today is let's just eat the word. It's so good and it's so alive. And especially on those days and those moments where it doesn't you don't feel it. Uh, but while you are clicking around and finding Megan Fate Marshman on the Instagrams, have you pre-ordered our book yet? Uh, every time I say that, I freak out a little bit. Um, but it would mean so much. Thank you so much, guys, for doing that. It tells like all the like bookstore people that, hey, these guys, maybe we should do an audiobook because that's the dream. <laughs> I have one goal. I just want to get an audiobook contract because we like doing audio stuff. No, I really just believe in the message of this book and would love to share it uh, with you all. But I also believe in questions of the week. 
That was a terrible segue. Uh, Here we are. Uh, We have a question of the week for next week, which this came from a listener, actually a listener on my team. So uh, if you guys have question of the week ideas or you want to answer it, you can email us at podcast at lauricreek.com or hit me up on the Instagrams or Facebook. That's where I'm the most active, really Instagram the most, but you can find me on Twitter too. This is the question though. What is a recipe you love? Because it reminds you of someone you love. But it's not even that tasty, but it's special to you and you eat it anyway. So, like, what's a recipe like, oh, I love this, but I don't actually love it. But it's okay. I'm going to eat it. Everyone in this room right now is thinking of theirs, and I am as well. So you can hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Thank you again to Megan Fate Marshman and for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast. Guys, we will see you next week.